Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Now, it's not that Joss, Nigeria is particularly safe and comfortable, but Joss is not a Muslim city. And the predominant population is not Muslim in Joss. They consider themselves Christian, not Muslim. And that's where Adina and Randy have lived for years among the Christians with Hillside Christian Academy there. I mean, relatively speaking, apart from a few explosions in churches once in a while, life is stable. Life is comfortable in Jaws. Life is predictable. Life is relatively safe for them. And that's important when you're in your late 50s, believe me. Today, I'm marking out the day when I'm in my second half of my later 60s. But anyway. So, but their mission, their mission, SIM, had one missionary in the northern city near the border of uh, Nigeria with a Muslim city, Kano. And in May 2013, Boko Haram targeted the remaining Christians in Kano so that mission evacuated that family. It wasn't safe for them to be there. Now, Adina and Randy have been called to go from Joss to that dangerous city of Kano. And they're going to that dangerous city of Kano, and they quoted Beth Moore in the process who said, Beth Moore said, when the call of Christ sears a hole through your self-protectiveness, you go wherever he leads, whether or not you feel like you are fit. And the same three phases that describe Joseph and the Lord Jesus now describe Randy and Adina. Randy and Adina did not resent the call to go to Kano. Randy and Adina did not think of their own safety in going to Kano. Randy and Adina did not advance their own will over God's will to go to Kano. And I can't think of this and all this about, without thinking about the time when we decided to stay in Ethiopia. I went to Ethiopia in December 2007, and when I saw how desperately the people needed the Lord Jesus Christ, I determined on that first trip right there, just I think I was there for a couple days, that before I came back to the States, that we would build a company, and that through business, we would bring the gospel to the people of Ethiopia. But I had no idea how hard it is to have a business in Ethiopia, And now, if someone tells me that they want to go to Ethiopia for business reasons, I tell them I know a good psychiatrist. (laughs) So we located in a Muslim city, and and so the first thing we knew we needed was was, uh, a little security, you know, a half a mile long, tall, solid, concrete security wall. 
And so we went out to try and find builders, and when the builder said that he quoted us, okay, that's going to cost you $200,000 to build the wall. But then, within two weeks, he says, no, i got to revise that quote to $400,000. Now, we're reeling, you know. And then two weeks later, he says, no, it's $600,000. And then two weeks later, he says, I don't know what it's going to be, but it for sure over a million dollars. All right? And so we'd seen this pattern before in Africa. We call it the African disease. The African disease is... Uh, you're I'm a Westerner. Your, goal, your, your whole purpose in life is to give me your money. I am an African. My whole purpose in life is to take your money. Okay? So that's African disease. And so anyway, and we've seen this before. And at that point with this building situation, we'd had enough. We'd had enough with Africa. We were angry, and we said, okay, that's it. We're leaving. And so myself and John from work, Deanna from work, from the company, we made what we thought was our last trip to Africa. And we were going there, pack up the stuff we could carry back, sell off the rest, leave Africa for good, say, sayonara, that's it, we're finished. I was angry. And so we had flown from London to Nairobi, spent the night, and now it was early in the morning in Nairobi, and we were at the airport to get the early morning flight to Ethiopia and just say, you know what, let the Africans fend for themselves, we're leaving. It was a bad idea. And I was thinking how I could not, I remember I was thinking at that time we're in the airport, I, I was thinking I can't get out of Africa fast enough. And so I was just kind of sitting there stewing in, uh, in bad stuff. And I was watching a young American family go through security. And it was amusing. It was really amusing. And I was sitting there watching, I said, this is really interesting, funny, you know, because the, the, the luggage was coming off the x-ray rack. They had big, you know, suitcases, and they're all piling up, and the guy is frantically trying to get his luggage together. Meanwhile, he's got all of his family's passports, and he's trying to make sure he's got all the passport. Meanwhile, the x-ray machine keeps on piling up his <laughs> the luggage, you know, and the children, they had three young children, and they were running all over the place, and the wife was, you know, she was like trying to get them together like she was herding cats, you know? <laughs> and I thought, this is really amusing, you know. So I walked over to her and I said, oh, you know, what part of the States are you from? And, and she told me and I said, oh, that's nice. I said, so where are you going? And she said, Sudan. And I went like this. I just changed it. Sudan. All I could see was red. I was, my anger against Africa just came to a head as I thought, Sudan. And I actually yelled. I didn't realize I was yelling, but I was yelling, Sudan! How could you bring your family to Sudan? Sudan, they don't speak with words there. They talk with bullets. Don't you know that? I said, you know, why would you do this to your kids? Why would you do this to your family? What's the matter with you? Why are you going to Sudan? Why, why, why? You know, why, why would you go to Sudan? And, and, and the whole hall got silent at that point, you know. And they were all staring at this scene, you know. And I, as I asked her, why in the world would you go to Sudan? And they all looked at me, and it was, like I said, everything was quiet. And the woman just said, because God asked us to. Oh. <laughs> Those five words, because God asked us to, they just burned into my soul. And I, I mean, I can see her right now, you know, in, in my mind as I'm talking to you. As she's saying this, five words just became forever burned in my soul because God asked us to. And when she said that, I was shattered. I was just shattered. And so was John, and so was Deanna. And none of us said a word to each other in the airport. We went through bus security. We were just like, hmm. We sat on a two-hour flight together. Nobody said a word. We just were sitting there as we flew from Nairobi to August. And that was the most silent flight I've ever been on. And so when we landed there, 
none of us said a word to each other, but we all knew we had to stay in Ethiopia. Why? Because God asked us to. And we didn't know how we're going to get anything built, but we said, okay, we're staying. And we did stay. And then the most amazing thing happened. The very best builder in the whole region there of Ethiopia where we are, he walks, he worked over at the polio clinic. He walked across the street, the road, and to our compound, and he heard we needed a builder. And uh, so he said to us, uh, you know, I hear you need a builder. We said, yeah. He says, uh, we didn't even know who he was. He was the best builder. He said, well, you know, I'll build your wall, and I'll build all your buildings. And we said, oh, yeah, okay, here comes the African disease. How much are you going to charge? He says, I'll do it for free. We said, free? And I said, yes, free. We were dumbfounded. And said, why? Why would you do this for free? He said, well, you know, I love my people. He was the high school principal for 19 years. He says, I love, I know all my people. I love my people here. We heard you're going to bring jobs to the area, and so I'll build it for free. And he did. And that was amazing. Why did the family leave the States and go, and go to Sudan, even though it was so dangerous? Because God asked him to. Why did Adina and Randy, they're going to leave Joss, they're going to go to Dangerous Kano in Nigeria. Why? Because God asked them to. Why did Joseph leave the safety and comfort of Hebron and go to his father's, go to his father's children, to, to his brothers in Shechem, even though it was dangerous? Because his father asked him to. Why did the Lord Jesus leave the safety and comfort of heaven to come to earth, even though it's dangerous? Because the father asked him to. What has God asked you and I to do? And that's the question that comes to us from verse 14. Now, Jacob asked Joseph to leave Hebron there and go to dangerous Shechem. Remember, that's where all the murder took place. And he did because Jacob asked him to. So in verse 14, when Joseph hears Jacob say, go, I pray thee, And then we see how Jacob gave to Joseph specific mission instructions in verse 14. See whether it be well with thy brethren and well with thy flocks and bring me word again. What's so interesting about his specific instructions that he gave to him is the word that he used for well. What do you think that word is? What do you think the Hebrew word is? It's shalom. It is shalom. He says to him, he says, I want you to go there and see if they have shalom, if they have peace. That's what I want you to do. This is the second time this word shalom appears in this chapter. And the word shalom is only used three times in this chapter and twice in this verse, and both translated as well. And because Jacob wanted Joseph to find out if it was shalom with the brothers and shalom with the flock, okay? (laughs) But remember the other time, remember the other time when he used the word shalom? Verse 4, that's it. They could not speak peaceably. That's the word shalom. They could not say shalom to him. So now Joseph is being sent to see if his brothers and the flock were in a state of shalom. And Joseph is sent to see if it was shalom with his brothers and the flock, and his brothers could not say shalom to him. I mean, the flocks could more easily say shalom to Joseph (laughs) than the brothers could, right? Isn't that all amazing? Isn't that just amazing about Shalom in this chapter, that Joseph's brothers cannot say Shalom or peace to him, yet Joseph is seeking for them to be in peace. I mean, there's only one reason we have Shalom. There's only one reason we have peace with God. There's only one reason, and that's given in Romans 5.1. 
Therefore, being justified by faith, we have shalom. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. The only reason we have shalom with God is because of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's it. Because he made shalom. He made peace with God through the blood of his cross. As it says in Colossians 1.20, having made peace through the blood of his cross, having made shalom through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him, I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. The only reason we have peace with God is because of the blood of the cross, having made peace through the blood of his cross. The only reason we have peace with God is because of the Lord Jesus Christ died for us. And when the Lord Jesus Christ died for us, what was our state when he died for us? Well, it's in, it's in, it's in Romans 5.8, Romans 5.8. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. It was while we were yet sinners that Christ died for us. We were described as sinners when Christ died for us. How else were we described when Christ died for us? Well, Romans 5.10, Romans 5.10, two verses later, goes on to say, when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. When we were enemies, when we were enemies, Christ died to save us. When we were enemies, Christ made peace through the blood of his cross. When we were enemies, the Lord Jesus Christ sought for us to have peace. The Lord, the Lord was seeking our peace when we were his enemies. When Joseph's brothers were his enemies, what I would see in verse 14 is Joseph seeking the peace of his brothers when his brothers were his enemies. And now we go on and we read the last part of verse 14, which says, and he said to them, said to him, go, I pray thee, see whether it be well with thy brethren and well with the flocks and bring me word again. So he sent him out of the vale of Hebron. He sent him out of the vale. Vale means valley. He sent him out of the valley of Hebron. So this is the only time in Scripture that the term Vale of Hebron is used. In all other places, it's just Hebron. But here is this unique place, Hebron, and it's called the Vale of Hebron, and that's purposeful. Why? Because by calling it the Vale or the Valley of Hebron, it's drawing us to a certain picture in our mind. It's drawing us to a beautiful, protected valley where all is well. And that brings to us a kind of forcefulness of the scene here that Joseph is leaving a protected place. Joseph is leaving a beautiful place. Joseph is leaving because he is sent, in verse 14, he sent him out of the vale of Hebron. And we could just see Joseph as he's leaving there, this beautiful valley in Hebron, and as he does so, he's saying to himself, I'm sent, I'm sent, why am I leaving? Shake your head again, Joseph, just remember, why are you leaving? Why am I leaving? Oh, I'm sent, I'm sent. My father has sent me. Oh, that's why I'm leaving. My father has sent me. See, that one word sent in verse 14 becomes the most important word in Joseph's mission because Joseph sees himself as the one that is sent by his father. You know, color me sent. Hang a sign around me that says sent. The one word sent became the most important word for the Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus Christ, when he came because he said, that's my mission in life. And he saw himself, you know, color me sent. Hang around me a sign that says sent. Why? Because he said in John 20, 21, 
John 20, 21. My Father hath sent me. And then in Matthew 10, 40, Matthew 10, 40. He that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. And then he speaks about, of course, this great passage in Isaiah 61.1, Isaiah 61.1, where this was the passage that he opened up when he was in the synagogue, and he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty of the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. See, in that statement, when he said that the Lord hath anointed me, the word anointing is mashach, from which we get the word mashiach or messiah. It comes from this, this kind of anointed, commissioned, commissioned. And in the same verse, he says he was sent, he hath sent me. Same breath. He said, anointed, sent, anointed, sent, anointed, sent. What does that show you? It shows you that the title of Messiah or anointed is linked. It's linked to being sent. Every time he thought of himself with the title of Messiah, he thought of how he was sent. I'm the Messiah. I was sent. I'm the Messiah. I was sent. I'm the Messiah. I was sent. See, being sent by his father was ever on his mind when he spoke with the father. When he spoke directly to the Father in John 17, 18, John 17, 18, he said, thou hast sent me into the world. And being sent was ever on the mind of the Father also. Because when the Father spoke of him, spoke to him, spoke, spoke of him rather, spoke of him to the people in Malachi 3, 1, Malachi 3, 1, one of the last words that God gives before the 400 years of silence, Malachi, end of the Old Testament, Malachi 3.1, the Father says, Behold, I send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. The Lord whom you seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom you delighted. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. So the last word that he gives in the Old Testament before the 400 years of silence is that I'm sending, I'm sending the messenger of the covenant. Who is the Lord? The Lord, whom you seek, shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant. The Father says, behold, I send my messenger. This messenger is called the Lord, whom you seek, shall suddenly come to his temple. The messenger is the Lord Jesus Christ, and he's called the messenger of the covenant. He's called the messenger of the covenant. Can you imagine? You know, he's, he's I got a message, I got a message. You know? And the message is a covenant. What's the covenant? Uh, he says, well, I'm the messenger of the covenant. The covenant is a new covenant. The covenant is a New Testament or covenant. What's that new covenant? We just were talking about it, Romans 5.1. There is peace with God now through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the message of the covenant. What's the message of the covenant? Romans 8.1. Romans 8.1. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. So just imagine Joseph as a messenger coming from his father with a message of love. My father has sent me, you know, our father has sent a message of love. He desires to, that you have peace. He's longing for you to return home. He's thinking, oh, he, you know, 100 miles away up there in Shechem, you know, when are you going to come home? And, and it, was, it was a message that he was bringing, Joseph was bringing. And just imagine the Lord Jesus Christ coming as a messenger from God the Father with a message of love 
from the Father and a longing. He says, I got a message for you. I have a longing for you to come home to the Father's house as your eternal resting place. So Jacob sent Joseph out in verse 14, and he finally makes it there, 100 miles. It's a long way. In verse 14, he came to Shechem. He came to Shechem. Okay, so he doesn't come there. He made it. And, and now that Joseph has finally made it to Shechem, there's a problem. There's a problem. We read about it in verse 15. A certain man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, saying, What seekest thou? Now, Joseph, he can't find his brothers. And Joseph is described as he was wandering in the field. He was wandering in the field. Okay, now, here we can really feel Joseph's plight. This is a problem. Joseph is so far from home, and Joseph is all alone. And Joseph is sent to find his brothers, and Joseph can't find his brothers. His brothers aren't where they're supposed to be. And so Joseph is just wandering around in a field, and a certain man sits back and watches Joseph in a state of utter frustration, just wandering around in a field. Poor Joseph, he's discouraged because he can't find his brothers. What is he going to do? Because if he returns home, he knows how much this is going to disappoint the father he loves. And Joseph is, Joseph is supremely does not want to disappoint his father. And Joseph can't bear the thought of coming home and having to tell his father he couldn't find the brothers, and he's terribly sorry. He can't stand that. That's unthinkable for Joseph. Joseph would rather die than to let down his father like that. So what we see in verse 15 with Joseph wandering around the field is Joseph's perseverance to not go home empty. He's not going to do it. Joseph could not find his brothers, but Joseph was so persevering that he would not go back home without finishing the work that his father gave him to do. And Joseph was determined to finish the work, and he was not going to let this problem of not finding his brothers prevent him from finishing the work that he was sent to do. It would have been so easy for Joseph just to go home at this point. You notice the father's instructions in verse 13? When it said, And Israel said unto Joseph, Do not thy brethren feed the flock in Shechem? Come and I'll send thee unto them. I mean, that was specific. He said to him, They are in Shechem, you know? And it would have been so easy for Joseph to have gone home and said, You sent me to Shechem? I went to Shechem to find my brothers. I went there. They weren't there. And I did just what you told me to do, but they weren't in Shechem. So I came home. I couldn't finish the work you gave me to do. Now, Joseph could have done that because he was told to go to Shechem and find his brothers. He went to Shechem. They weren't there like he was told they were going to be, so he would not have finished the work his father gave him to do if he went home. But Joseph would not do that because he knew the work that Jacob gave him to do, and he was determined to finish it, and he wasn't going to let the fact that the brothers weren't there stop him. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ was sent by God He was sent by God the Father to earth. He came to earth, and it wasn't easy for him. And he ran into a lot of obstacles also. And he could have returned to heaven and said, you sent me to earth, I went to earth. But those people are crazy down there. (music) 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor, founder of Israel Restoration Ministries and our Bible teacher on the Friendship with God radio program, has created the Friendship with God Study and Reference Bible. It's a King James Study and Reference Bible with over 2,200 total pages, 13.5 point large font, and has over 600 pages of Bible helps and resources. It has Hebrew root notations in the Old Testament and over 30,000 Bible column and inline scripture references. It also includes daily bread reading notations, a tour of the Bible scripture journey, 12 custom-made full-color maps, and a full-color nine-page history of Israel timeline map. Not to mention incredible concordance and the most popular Bible scripture references section, Bible reference help section, and hundreds and hundreds of other personalized pages from Tom Cantor to grow your friendship with God. It's printed on Finland thin paper printing technology and covered in a black lambskin leather cover with gold lettering. To order your Friendship with God study and reference Bible, go to our homepage on friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org.